0: Well, let's open up our copy of God's Word this morning uh, to Luke chapter 15 for our Easter message. I'm gonna preach a very familiar passage to us this morning, uh, one that if you've grown up in church, you, you've heard it for a long time but primarily I'm not necessarily speaking to those that have grown up in church. I wanna be cognizant of the fact that today because it's Easter Sunday, there are perhaps many different people that are not familiar with Travis and maybe you're checking out an online service for the first time. And so primarily I wanna to speak to, to those that are within our digital audience. Uh, and I wanna walk us through a parable that Jesus tells and it's known in most circles as the, the parable of the prodigal. Son, found in Luke chapter 15. Uh, we're going to look at verses 11 all the way through verse 32, and we're going to walk through it as the story unfolds. Now, I've heard this story taught, and I've heard it preached in a variety of ways. And more often than not, uh, one of the things that I hear when, when I watch this sermon preached or being talked about is there seems to be a healthy amount of attention focused on the wrong characters in the story. In the story of the prodigal son, as we'll see here in just a few moments, there's really just three characters that that we need to pay attention to. There's, of course, the the prodigal or the wayward son that most of us are familiar with. There's also the, the older son who stays by his father's side for the entirety of the time. And then there's the character of the father. Now, I know that what I'm going to do is I'm going to sort of give away the ending before I ever actually start. But, but I sort of want to reorient our perspective on this familiar story because I want us to see it through the proper lens and with the right perspective. The main character in this story, as all of Scripture, is God. It's the father in this moment that we are meant to draw our attention to and and particularly how the father administers mercy and justice to both of his sons. More often than not, we see that the bulk of attention is given towards the prodigal son. Now, interestingly, that that phrase prodigal is only given in the ESV translation uh, just in the subheading and is not actually used in the context um, of the text itself. And the idea of of a prodigal, it simply means this. It means reckless and it means a a wasteful son. It's a behavior characteristic that is described of the son who squanders the thing that that his father has given him. And so if you would look with me as we begin reading in verse 11, but let us remember that we are to see this story through the lens primarily of the father and what the father does and does not do with both sons. Notice where the text begins and he says this in verse 11. And he said, Jesus speaking, there was a man who had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had and he took a journey into a far country and there he squandered his property in reckless living. And when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in the country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to the one of the citizens of that country who sent him into the fields to feed pigs nonetheless. And he was longing at that moment to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate and no one gave him anything. I wanna stop right there and I wanna draw our attention in the very beginning just to the posture of this younger son who is asking for this inheritance. You see, this story that Jesus is portraying is meant to talk about the justice and mercy of the father and how the father responds. But, But what happens before that is that we need to be able to see and to find ourselves in the midst of this story. And it is true that in some ways we are like this younger son who asks his father for for the the receipts of his inheritance. He he sort of calls and cashes the chips in early, so to speak. And it's a moment where we see this wayward prodigal son where he begins to value the, the monetary and financial gifts of the father over the father himself. Some authors describe it this way, where this son began to long for the gifts rather than the giver of the gifts. They wanted the blessings of God without really knowing God and walking in obedience with God. I think that this can be true of all of us at some point in our life, that we certainly want the benefits that come with walking with Jesus to the exclusion of walking in a posture of faithfulness and walking in a posture of humility and obedience. Friend, never let it be said of us in our homes and in our workplaces that we value more the gift rather than the giver of the gift. But I I also want you to see this under the umbrella of how the father administers the justice and the love and the mercy towards the sons and how he, he loves us despite us being in a posture where we have rejected him and we have outright rejected the goodness that comes with following him in obedience. You see, in that sense, we are like this prodigal son. But notice, he doesn't just take the gifts and seek to steward the gifts. He goes off and and instead he begins to squander the property as stated in verse 13. He spends everything that he's been given by the father Every blessing, every entitlement, every monetary gift, he goes and he blows every bit of it in this lifestyle of simply just hedonism that that exists to satisfy the pleasures and the longings of his own heart to fill them outside of the presence of his father. In other words, he was seeking to find fulfillment by walking in a posture of disobedience. And so he begins to enter into this place of, of just wandering away and doing what was right in his own eyes and, and doing what was pleasing in his own eyes. But friend, I want to tell you this morning that if you're at home and or you're visiting us online for the first time, if you are, are wandering away and, and maybe you know that you're running from God. God's called you and asked you to do some things in your life or you're just running from a a relationship with him. Friend, now is the time for you to to get right in your relationship with the Lord. The Bible says that today is the day of, of your salvation. Jesus is still saving people today. We as a church, our mission is that we exist to see people far from God come to know Christ. We would love nothing more than, than even in the quietness and in your living room at home or wherever you find yourself watching this, we would love to see you who are far from God come to know Christ for he is worthy of your affections. He is worthy of your attention this morning. And so whether you are wandering away like this older son, we wanna remind you as a church, I wanna remind you as a pastor, as an elder, I wanna remind you just as a steward of God's word that God loves you deeply and that God cares about you immensely, that he is deeply concerned and he wants you to come back to him. He wants you to come back home and, and to be with his people to be in fellowship and in right relationship with him, to confess your sins, because the Bible says God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This is the story of the gospel. But if we keep reading, He says in verse 16 that he was longing to be fed. He was so destitute because of this famine, because of this reckless living, that he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, but yet nobody was giving him anything. And then something remarkable happens in verse 17. Look with me where it says this, but when he came to himself, when he woke up, when he began to realize that what he was doing in his own eyes wasn't right, that ultimately that it led to this place of destruction. You know, sin has a funny way of doing that. I never understood when I heard preachers and teachers say that, that sin will, will make you miserable, that sin is not fun. Listen, I, I don't know about those preachers, but, but there's been times where, where I've lived in, in outright rebellion and it is fun and, and it is enjoyable in the moment. But the truth of the gospel that we must be reminded of is is sin and the pleasures of sin are are fleeting. They're but a vapor, they're but for a moment and, and yet there can be lifetime repercussions because of those decisions. And so don't ever be fooled with the notion that sin is not enticing, that it is not easy to become entangled up in things that seek to destroy us, to be caught up in darkness. In fact, the Bible teaches that, that it easily entangles us, but rather the solution is to get our eyes and our focus and our attention on Christ. But he says that he came to himself, he woke up and he realized the error of his ways. And he said to himself, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. Therefore, verse 18, I will arise and I'm gonna go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. This moment of humility that exists in this prodigal son. Therefore, maybe he will treat me as one of his hired servants. He comes to this realization that that he is better off as just a servant in his father's house rather than seeking to live his life in his own way and, and under his own direction and his own sense of obedience. And so he comes to this reckoning and this realization And then verse 20 picks up and and we begin to see some, some remarkable things about our father and how he responds to the son. And so he realizes these things. And so verse 20 picks up and he says, and then he arose and he goes to his father. But notice what it says in the text. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, felt compassion for him ran to him and embraced him and gave him a kiss. Saw him at a distance and begins to pursue him and runs to him. This is a picture, friend, of of our heavenly father who embraces us who has compassion for us and and mercy at the cross for us as his people, that that the father loves us and he he embraces us and he brings us back and he draws us back to himself. And the son says to the father, father, I've sinned against heaven and before you and, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. The shame that he recognized that he, that he felt the son in the presence of the father. And as he confesses uh, his, his inadequacies before him and his, and his error and, and, and his judgment. And then he says, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But notice in verse 22, what begins to happen? The father begins to absorb the shame and the condemnation of the son. And he does some notable things. But the father says to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and let us celebrate for this my son was dead and he's alive again and he's lost and he was found. And they begin to celebrate and to throw a party because this lost son, this reckless, wasteful son who had squandered everything had it now come back. We can't miss the, the irony of how the father begins to treat the son. And we notice there are three things that he adorns the wayward son on. The first is the robe, just simply signifying the, the garments of the father, that, that he is a part of my family. And the father clothes the son in his clothing to signify that, that he is mine and, and I am his. And he, and he gives him this ring as a, as a sign and as a token of authority that the authority that the father has, he is placed in the authority of the son and he is given that authority by signifying it through that ring. And then he places uh, these sandals on his feet to to signify that this son who who had everything and lost it and squandered it and couldn't even receive a meal from the people in the the town and the territory in which he lived had no feet, had no shoes to put on his feet. That that poor people didn't wear shoes in this moment. And so he gives him these sandals as a sign of of the wealth that I now have. I'm I'm giving them to my son. And so he clothes them with this robe. He gives him all the authority by signifying the ring. and, and And then he infers his wealth on the context of this wayward son. He kills the fatted calf. They throw a celebration to embrace the fact that this lost son was now found friend are are you are you lost today are you wayward with god Maybe you're, you're not wayward in the sense of you squandered everything, but maybe just, just there's something missing in your, in your walk and in your devotion with the Lord. And, and maybe just today on this Easter Sunday, it's just time to say, hey, listen, I wanna confess to, to my father uh, my inadequacies, my, my doubt, my lack of faith, and, and God help me, restore to me a right relationship. I, I confess my sins to you. You're, you're faithful and just, forgive me of my sins. And be made right? With God today. Our Father in heaven, He loves you deeply. This is the message of the gospel. This is the message of Easter Sunday. He is risen. He is risen indeed. The resurrection confirms all of our doubts that He was who He said He was, and therefore we can celebrate today in the goodness of God. The Father. Embraces the son in his arms. The father embraces you today. But notice as the text goes on, someone else enters into the fold. We forgot about the older son. In verse 25, with the son who stayed faithful, now his older son was in the field. And as he came and he drew near to the house, he hears music and he hears dancing. And he calls one of the servants and he asked him what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father, he's killed the fatted calf because he has received him back and and, and he's safe and he's sound. But it says the older son was angry and he refused to go to the party, to the celebration. And and so the father goes to the older son and, and he approaches him, he entreats him, the text says. But he answers his father saying, look, these many years I've served you. I've not walked in disobedience. I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I could even celebrate my faithfulness with my friends because of of what I had done. But when this son of yours came who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you've killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, the father's speaking now to this older son. You were always with me and everything that I have is yours. It was fitting for us, for me, for you to celebrate and to be glad for this brother was dead and he is now alive. He was lost And now he is found. The father speaks to the pride that exists in the faithful son. He issues justice and mercy to the wayward son. And even in this moment to the son who has who dwelt up and dwelt with pride and self-righteousness saying, look at the things that I have done yet we have never celebrated. The father begins to speak to the heart of the prideful Christian. Caught up in self-righteousness and he administers that same grace and that same mercy to that son. All that I have, it is still yours. And he speaks to the pride in his life. I think in some ways, this is analogous to the Christian who who was never the prodigal son, who stayed faithful in their testimony, never compromised, and and they've been living in the house of God. But one of the things that we learn from this older son who stayed that, that we must be cautious about is the fact that we can live in the house of God all the while never having the heart of God. We can serve his church and do the things that God has called us to do, but it doesn't guarantee that we actually have the same heartbeat that God has. We can do things for God all the while doing them apart from a relationship from him. We can live in his house but not have his heart. This story is about the father. It's not about the prodigal, and it's not about the faithful son, but rather about the mercy and the justice that the father gives out. Friend, we serve a merciful, gracious God this morning. You may ask, well, pastor, what does any of this have to do with Easter Sunday? Well, let me tell you, friend. The profound truth of of this story as it relates to Easter and why we talk about this story and how it can relate to Easter is because in many ways, what we see in this story, the father running to the son to embrace him is the same thing that we see in the gospels, Christ running to us to take our shame and our condemnation. Just as the father runs towards the son to embrace the son and to take his condemnation and shame, this is what Jesus demonstrates for us by completing death and resurrecting from it. He therefore then takes our shame and our condemnation from us. But the second thing and perhaps the most important thing is this simple yet profound truth is just as the the father clothes the son with his garments, gives him the ring and, and puts the sandals on his feet and he slaughters the fatted calf and he throws the party. Just as the father in this story has done all of these things, Jesus, because of the cross and because of the resurrection, because in three days he rose again, demonstrates how he took our garment of sin and he therefore then clothed us with a robe of righteousness that we have been given because of the resurrection of Jesus, because of the blood of Jesus, we have been given the righteousness of God. That's how it relates to Resurrection Sunday. That's how it relates to this great week that we celebrate. That's how it relates to those that are far from God, that need to know Christ. That's how it relates to those that are on a mission to send people out into our city to make disciples because when we make disciples, we go with that truth that Jesus has robed us and clothed us with a garment of righteousness before the world, that we have been made right before God because of Jesus. This is our testimony and this is why we celebrate. Friend, wherever God has you this morning, whether that gospel truth is an old truth that you have heard for decades, then I say rejoice in the Lord that we're reminded of it again. And let us find that truth sweeter and sweeter each and every day because it's called grace. God has saved us because of his gracious posture towards us. He saved me when I was 17 years old. I came to know Christ that God convicted me of my sins and and changed my life and and God wants to convict you of your sins today and and he wants to change your life there in the presence of, of your living room or wherever it is that you find us this morning. Our heart is to see those far from Christ come to know him. We hope nothing more than for that to be true of you today, for you to hear and for you to believe and respond in faith. Friend, I, I cannot wait till I get to see you again. And I hope that, that like this older son that, that, that was prideful and like this younger son who, who walked off and squandered it, my, my hope and my prayer for you pastorally this week and in the weeks to come is that you would not let your past define who you are becoming in the future that you let Christ and his blood and his righteousness do that defining for you. We wanna end this time in a a posture of prayer in our homes. We wanna end this time praying for our people as we continue to care. We wanna pray for our evangelism. We wanna pray for our giving, our faithful giving. We wanna pray for all the things that that God has called us to as the people of God. And my, my sort of directive as we end today And as you begin to pray with your families, is I want you to just just pray really just in a posture, not of doing anything, but just in a posture of rejoicing that you have been clothed in the righteousness of Christ for those that have given their hearts to him and received him. And just say with your family to, to lead your family in your homes, God, thank you for, for what you've done in my life and for making me new, for, for bringing something that was dead and, and making it alive. And just rejoice in, in that old timey, traditional gospel saturated truth. God is still saving people today. Jesus didn't say, I I was the resurrection or I will be the resurrection. In fact, Jesus says elsewhere in John's gospel, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection today. I am still resurrecting dead people and making them alive once again. I love you as your pastor. I pray for you and I long for the day where I can see you face to face once again. God bless And see you here next week, same time. Love you so much.